morning. No food pies this morning, right? There's Steve. Steve, is in. Steve Whitaker is in the house. Oh, Steve. Listen, take out your Bibles today. Uh, it's been a good series, and I'm looking forward to today. We've got some that are in family worship, and so I'm supposed to tell some jokes or do some things while, uh, while they're over with the children this morning. But, uh, but anyway, we're going we're gonna to get started because I think it's really important. Let's, uh, let's, let's sort of debrief just a little bit. And let's read our focal passage um, that has sort of been a, a memory verse for us. It's been one that we've sort of been hanging on to over the past little bit. And it's out of, out of Romans, Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 3 and 4. So would you, would you read this along with me? Let's read it out loud. And this, is, and this is what Paul said. He said that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Okay? Let's go back and let's read that one more time. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, but we know that they help us develop our endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Well... Throughout this series, we've been walking through and talking about what do you do when you don't know which way to turn, when life sort of kicks you in the gut, and at that moment in time, you lose all sense of direction. You know, Dina, that time when it just seems to hurt so bad that you just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and um, you just want to quit. Honestly, you just want to give up, and you want to throw in the towel. I mean, how many of us know people that claim to have a relationship with Jesus, that have a relationship with the Lord, but it's somewhere along the line, something in life has happened. And in the midst of that issue, they've basically walked away from the faith that they claimed that they believed. I mean, does anybody know somebody like that? I mean, it may even be you. I mean, this may be your first Sunday back, and you're like going, I can't believe you just said that. But that's what happens. I mean, life can get so troublesome at times when, when we get down to the place that something happens, I mean, it becomes so overwhelming that you can't even see the light at the end of the trouble. And what do you do in those times? So we've been sort of working our way through that. And one of the things that we've said that's sort of been the, the underlying, the underlying um, I want to say maybe the, the building block that we've, that we've worked off of is this, that we don't, we don't always understand the purpose of the pain. We don't always understand that, maybe until sometimes years and years and years later. But even though we may not ever understand the purpose and the pain, the promise is always the same. And the promise is what? His grace is sufficient. Yeah, it is. If you've missed one of the sermons, if you've missed one of the, one of the weeks, you can go back online and pick those up online, um, and, uh, but I think today is going to be a really special day as we finish up our time. Would you guys just give all these people that are coming in late, can you believe that they would come to service late? <laughs> I can't believe that you guys would walk in service late. Why would you do that? 
We know where you've been. It's been good. Um, but anyway, I, I want to go back and we want to finish up today. Um, and we want to finish up by going back to, to another passage of Scripture that Paul himself shares again. Um, and as we, as we do that, I want to remind you that the Scriptures that we have, and we've said this week after week, that the Scriptures that we have, man, are, are Scriptures that have been written by people that are just like you and I, that had struggles just like you and I, that had issues in life just like you and I, that wrestled with things just like you and I, that have trials and troubles just like you and I, and yet they did not give up and they did not give in and they did not quit. And as a result of that, we have the scriptures today. And as a result of that, the faith and the gospel message has been passed down to us. And so there's a tremendous amount of stake for those of us that call ourselves believers in holding on and not giving up in the midst of the times of difficulty. But I want to go back today and I want to read this passage of Scripture. And I want to remind you something in reference to the Scripture. Because some of you may, be, may not be a seasoned believer. I mean, I think if we're honest, some people walk in on Sunday mornings and they may not have a copy of God's Word or they have a copy of God's Word and they really are afraid for somebody to say, turn to this passage of Scripture because maybe they've really never looked at all into God's Word and know really an awful lot about what God's Word has to say. Um, and especially when I mention a passage like, I want you guys to turn over to 2 Corinthians, which is like a, I would like for you guys to turn over to 2 Corinthians. So you can go ahead and do that. But sometimes people go, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because I don't know where 2 Corinthians is. Well, listen, this Bible, the Bible, isn't just a book, but it's a collection of books. And we talk about this. It's a collection of books written over 1,600 years by over 40 different authors. Isn't that amazing? But the same message, the same story. And it's divided into two different sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And today we're going to be in the New Testament. And the guy that we're going to be talking about that wrote this passage that we're going to talk about today, his name is Paul. And his life was radically changed. And Paul, after this transformation, after he comes face to face with the Lord, would end up writing some two-thirds of what we know today as the New Testament. And if there was anybody that knew something about pain and suffering, it's the guy that we're going to talk about today. It was Paul. If there was anybody that knew what it was like to be arrested and thrown in prison, to be put in chains, to be sick, to be hurt, to have a thorn in the flesh that would not go away. If there was anybody that knew what it was like to be betrayed, to be stoned, to be sick, it would have been this guy, Paul. And then we say, we've got problems. But Paul writes to us today, and I think he has something to say to us that I want every one of us to listen to. Because believer or not, I promise you, there will come a point in time when you will feel as if God is far, far away. And the question is, what will you do in that time? See, because this is what I know. I was raised in a day and age when we walked through difficulty. Sometimes you just didn't want to talk about it. Especially if it was inside the body of believers. Because sometimes we might feel judged. Can you believe that somebody might would judge you or you might feel can you believe that i can't believe that have you ever judged somebody don't answer but you know what i wonder how many stories are in this room today that have not been told the pain that is behind the scenes that lies there that nobody knows 
out of fear. If you really want to get real, abortion, abuse, issues, pornography, the things that have happened, thievery, lying, dishonesty, things that have happened behind the scenes that nobody knows, adultery, And instead of dealing with the pain and the hurt and the sin and going to the Lord for forgiveness and walking through, there's been this stuff that's been bottled up in your heart. And you sit here today like the little old church lady. On the outside, she's smiling, but on the inside, she's cringing, struggling. But I think what Paul's going to share with us today, I think he's going to share some words that are extremely helpful for us. Because the last place that I want Heritage to be is a place that any of us are afraid to deal with some of the issues in life that we deal with because all of us live in glass houses. And at any moment, any one of our lives can be crushed. Are you with me? See, because Pastor Ted knows what I'm talking about. He's been there, and he's walked with people through the years that have dealt with issues. But it's not just the stories that we know, but it's the stories also that we don't know. And instead of finding healing, there's the things that have been hidden for years. But I wonder what Paul has to say to us today that can be of a word of encouragement that will help us better understand that his grace is sufficient. Let's read what Paul has to say today. In the New Testament, the second half, in Paul's words as he wrote to the believers there at Corinth, the church that he had established, a group of believers that were in that area, this is what Paul writes. And I'll start off in chapter 1, and I'll move through this very quickly. Just as you would write a letter, there's usually a beginning. You know, like, Larry, it's really good to see you. This is Sam. Look Look at what Paul says. This letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle. Somebody tell me what an apostle is. Somebody tell me what an apostle is. I don't want to call out some names and ask you, sir. An apostle. It's a messenger. It's a delegate. He's an ambassador, one that's sent. One that's sent that has a a message. So the letter is from Paul, a messenger, a delegate, an ambassador, This has been chosen by the will of God, by the way. An apostle of Jesus Christ and from our brother, Timothy. So this letter is from Paul and Timothy. Now, Timothy, if you know anything about Timothy, Timothy was, you would say, maybe Paul's son in the faith. Timothy was raised in a home where he was taught the scriptures by his mom and by his grandmother. So Paul had taken him up under his wing and had begun to use Paul and, and teach him and mentor him along this journey as he went out to share the faith. Timothy sort of walked alongside of him. And so Timothy was a, he was a protege of Paul. So he says, I'm writing this to God's church in Corinth and to all of his holy people throughout Greece. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And then he says, I'll praise to God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful, or you may have compassionate in your scriptures, Our merciful Father and the source of all 
comfort. Now, this is very interesting because here it is, based on his experience and his, his understanding of God of what he knew, he, he gives us a couple of characteristics of God. Number one, being merciful and also compassionate, merciful. If there was anybody that had come to realize and understand and experience the mercy of God, it would have been Paul. Paul knew what it liked to it. And knew what it was like to experience the mercy of God. Mercy is what? Withholding something that we deserve. And if there was anybody that deserved to be punished, it would have been Paul. Because if you remember, Paul was a persecutor of believers. Isn't that right? Before his, before his life was changed, Paul was a persecutor of of believers. And see, before our lives are changed, there's no telling what the life before was like. But here it was that Christ had covered his sins. Merciful, God our Father, source of all comfort. Through Jesus Christ, he'd experienced the mercy of his heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. And he says also, the Father of our source of comfort. Now this is a really interesting statement, understanding that just 12 chapters later, Paul would talk about a, a thorn in the flesh. And here he is saying that the Father of comfort... 12 chapters later would bring about a thorn in his flesh that would cause pain and discomfort. Are you with me? They wouldn't take it away. He wouldn't take it away. So here's Paul early on saying, listen, I just want you to know that my God is merciful and that my God is a God of comfort. And then 12 chapters later, what he thought was being put to the test Put to the test. How many times to what you believe about God, the characteristics that you've come to learn about God, are they put to the test? The things that you say that you believe are put to the test. Remember some of the things that we've said? Faith without testing? Yeah, you're going to have to go through some testing for it to be called faith. Anyway, it just doesn't make sense how it is that Paul would say, here it is, the God of comfort. How many of you guys have asked the question before, God, why the suffering? Why the pain? Why, why am I experiencing and walking through what I'm walking through? Why am I dealing with the issues that I'm dealing with? See, because if you're probably like me, when you're experiencing the pain, you're not, paying, you're not praying for God to, to bring you comfort. What you really are praying for is, is Bradley, God, will, will you please fix what it is that's wrong? See, I got a problem with my husband. I need you to fix him. I got a problem with my wife. Would you fix her? I'm having a problem at work. Will you fix it? I'm having a problem in my finances. Will you fix it? I need more finances. I don't know if anybody ever needs less finances, right? But when there's a problem, when there's a stress, when there's a struggle, will you fix it? We don't always pray for comfort. And we can ask God for anything that we want. And Paul says, regardless if God changes the circumstances or not, one of the things that we can count on is the comfort of God. Not necessarily to remove the pain, but to provide the strength and encouragement to see us through the struggles. And look at what he says in verse 4. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that, there's a couple of really important words here, all our troubles. So that, in other words, there's a purpose behind the reason that he's comforting us. 
so that we can, in other words, we can be empowered and able to do something so that we can do what? So here's God going to provide comfort for us, and there's a purpose behind the comfort that he's going to provide. And why is he going to provide comfort for us? So that we can do what? Comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others in any trouble. So God comforts us not just so that we can be comforted, but there's something that's bigger at play here. God brings comfort into our lives and comforts us not just so that we can be comforted, but he comforts us, brings comfort into our life, encouragement into our life, strength into our life to make it through that time so that we can turn around and we can provide that same comfort to others who are struggling in any and all kind of situation. So here's Paul, who happens to believe that Jesus is God's son, that he is the Messiah, that believes that Jesus wasn't just a great teacher, but, but he was the one who was sent to take away the sins of the world, that he was the Lamb of God. And here was Paul, believed the story, and knew that Jesus had been crucified, that he had been buried, and that he had been resurrected from the dead. And here's Paul saying there may be times that God will deliver us from something, but he will walk with us through everything. That's what he's saying. There may be times that God will deliver us from something, but that he will walk with us through everything. And he walked with us, he walks with us so that we can take what we learn and that we have the ability to walk with others. So why does he comfort us? So why does he comfort us? Okay, so make this more personal. So why does he comfort you? Sometimes it's hard to comfort others when you're still in the midst of the struggle. You remember the, the, the working through that we talked about last week? Remember that? And we said last week that, and one of the points was this, that we have in our minds that, that maturity in our faith is a per perfect or perfected behavior. But an, a, a maturing faith is an enduring faith. One that hangs on and just won't let go. Um, you know, there's, there's so many things that happen behind the scenes, and there's so many times that I'm invited into, into situations that you guys never see. Um, as, as pastors, sometimes I, mean, I get invited into these environments where there's stuff that's going on that are really, and, and, and honestly, truthfully, I have no answer. I have, I have no answer to, to what's taking place. They are tragedies, they are issues, they are circumstances that people are looking, me, looking to me to help them navigate through. And, and sometimes, and Brian will tell you this, and Melvin will tell you this, 
that sometimes those are just extremely difficult times because here's the people that are supposed to have all the answers and I'm telling you what sometimes you just don't have all the answers and sometimes you just don't know what to to share I don't know how many times in the middle of the night I've gotten the phone call or I'm in the middle of something I get a phone call and I'm called to the scene of an accident or I'm called to the side or, or an emergency room or I'm called to a place and there are people there that are struggling and all of a sudden they're expecting something from me and when I assess the situation I have really nothing to give true true I mean I can give them some verses and I can pray but I've been in some situations guys that the verses and the prayers at that moment in time they're not heard the verses and the prayers because of the pain sometimes go right over their head and all I can do is stand and listen and be quiet and pray as a pastor and as a chaplain sometimes those situations vary but I remember one time when I had first started out in the early 20s and uh, as a chaplain with the sheriff's department, we had begun the sheriff. We had begun the chaplain's program over in Seminole County, and not long after that, I'd gotten a phone call from the undersheriff saying, "Said I, I need you. We got a problem." So I left where I was and I headed out. And um, before I could get to the, the scene, uh, dispatch called me and said, "We need to change your location. We need you to head to the hospital immediately." When I arrived on the scene um, of the hospital, I knew, I knew it was bad. When you've got doctors that are upset, and you've got nurses that are upset, it's a bad situation. They had cleared the emergency room out, um, and uh, the scene was something like this there was a young boy um, that had become enamored with playing with matches and several times his mom and dad had caught him but this time they didn't catch him he set the house on fire he got terrified he locked himself in the room and they couldn't find him by the time they found him it was way way too late and as I made my way um, And what are you supposed to say? It's a young family. I'm in my 20s, and here's a charred body on a bed, and there's nothing but screams and hollering going on in this room. And you got a mother that's laying over the top of ashes trying to wipe them off. And for two or three weeks, I dealt with that family, day after day. I mean, I shared God's word. They weren't believers. But it just sort of went in one, in, one, in one ear and out the other. But I prayed, God, would you just give me the strength to, to give 
me something, if nothing more than just standing there at that time. But you know, I'm not in my 20s anymore. And I'm not in my 30s. And I'm not in my 40s. And I've learned an awful lot. And one of the things that I've noticed is, is this. Is over, over life, I've learned that there's a natural connection between people that have suffered similarly, similarly, similar issues in life. That I can be at the scene of an accident or I can be providing help or comfort or trying to provide a word at a moment in time, but somebody else can walk in that's, that, has ha- that has had no training or anything and all of a sudden, if they've had something similar that's taken place in life, there's an immediate connection. Are you with me? Maybe you've had that happen in your life where, where something's, something's happened and, you know, everybody else just sort of, it was great, man, it was a good verse, I really appreciate that. Would you please just leave me alone now? And then all of a sudden somebody walks into your life and because of a story and experience that they had that was similar to you, you, there was an immediate, immediate connection. It was natural, and it took place because they had suffered deeply in similarly as, as you. You know, the other thing I, I, I think is that um, is not only is there that, that natural connection, but all of a sudden there's that, there's that, there's that immediate um, that qualification, that expertise, that, that you become uniquely qualified, I think is what we had put down here, uniquely qualified because of what you experienced. It's, it's allowed you the opportunity because of your experience, regardless of your profession, regardless of your training, regardless of your Bible knowledge, all of a sudden you become uniquely qualified in that position to provide some comfort. Meredith and I, when we deal with the issue of infertility with couples, when we sit down, we don't talk about infertility because of all the years of training that we've had dealing with infertility. We don't talk about all the issues that we've experienced and, and, and you know, how we've been through this training and this, you know, this special class. And, you know, we sit down and we do and we talk to other couples that are dealing with infertility. We sit down and tell our story. That's what we talk about. I don't have to go fumbling through some pages of a book to try to find out what somebody else has to say about infertility. We sit down and we tell our story because our story is real and the pain is real. Twelve years of infertility is a lot. We're qualified, not because of our training, but because of what we walk through and what we dealt with. But there's also something else that happens when you when we're willing to open up ourselves and to share. And, and for those of you that are, and this is, this is hard, but for those of you that may be here today that have things that have happened in your past, I want you to not only think about the healing that maybe you're missing out on if, if you've never dealt with those issues, but I also want you to think about the numbers of people that maybe you have the opportunity, could have the opportunity to minister to if your life were more open and more honest. If you were more vulnerable, if you were more risky, 
But you can't provide comfort until you've received comfort. But for the person that has received comfort, there's something that happens. There's, there's just something that takes place. It's almost like it's, uh, it's life-giving. It's invigorating for the person that's able to sit down and to talk about their experience. When we open up and we share our life experience in order to encourage and bring comfort to others, we end up being encouraged and comforted. And this is where Paul leaves us with this thought. He says, God is the God of all comfort, and he will comfort us directly, or he is going to comfort us, bring comfort in our lives through others. But he's not going to do that just so that we can be comforted, but there's a deeper purpose behind it. Because at some point, in some place in time, you're going to come face to face with somebody else. Maybe in a hospital, it may be on a baseball field, it may be on a, at, a, at a Bible study, it may be at a workplace that somebody's going to share with you something, or you're going to see something, and you're going to have an opportunity to share your story with somebody else and what God has done in your Life, And you'll be able to understand the depths of the suffering and the pain that they've experienced because of what you've walked through. And you know what happens when you're on the other side looking back? When you're on the other side looking back, you can all of a sudden begin to see a purpose. Maybe there was a purpose behind the pain. Maybe there was a purpose behind the pain and the suffering that when you were walking through it, you couldn't see it. And you know what you're going to be able to do to those people that are in the midst of that pain and that suffering that they can't see? You're going to be able to say, look, there is hope on the other side. I know because I've been there. I know what it's like to not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know what it's like when you're there and you just want to give up. I know what it's like when you feel like God is absent and God is apart and God is far, far away because I've been there in my life too. I know what it's like. And out of the ashes and the pain of suffering grows purpose. 47 years ago, I myself was in a lawnmower accident. How many of you guys didn't know that? Lawnmower accident, 47 years ago. Can you believe that? And they told me I'd never walk again. 47 years ago, lost my feet. One morning, 1968 was holding up the, uh, the swing for my dad <clears throat> and in the wet grass slipped up underneath the riding lawnmower. 1968, they did their best to put me back together piece by piece and he took skin from all kinds of places. I will not show you all those places. And I can talk about the difficulty, and I can talk about the pain, and I can talk about what it's like for them to tell you that you won't walk again. And I can tell you what it's like as a child to have to crawl around on the floor on your knees. And I can tell you what it's like to have to wrestle with learning how to and, and how to function. I can tell you those stories. And I can tell you what it's like to feel what people are thinking, what they're what they're, what's going on in their mind and all the issues of life and, and wonder what they're thinking when they see your, your foot or your disability. And I know what it's like to sit in your mother's room and try to find a shoe or try to wear shoes when they say you won't be able to wear shoes and to find a, a pair of slippers at the age of five or six, whatever it was, and to find a pair of those little fuzzy slippers that had the elastic band around them. And that was what I wore to kindergarten. 
That was how I learned to, to wear. I was what I wore to kindergarten. They told me I couldn't wear shoes. Oh, yes, I can. They may look a little bit different than everybody else's. I know what it's like to walk through that process. I know what it's like to deal with those issues. I know what it's like to, to suffer. I know what it's like to go through that. Because I've been there. I've walked through that. I remember the struggles and the stares and the fears. And you know what? Some of those things never go away. But 40 years later, 40 years later, God would bring me in contact because I was at home and saw that across the ticker tape. Um, Four-year-old anomaly accident. And that night, um, I had to make a decision. 40 years later, what do I do? Do I ignore what had happened in the past? Or do I reach out and utilize some of the things that I've experienced in the past and bring comfort to somebody else? Are you with me? I'd call the news channel, found out where the family was at, and the next morning, Brian and I went down to Orlando to find, to find the family. When we uh, got to the place where they, uh, the family was, we went there to, uh, to the nurse's station, and I said, listen, my name is Sidney Brock. I'm a pastor. I'm a chaplain of the sheriff's department. I'm here to see the Boehner family. Uh, their son was in a lawnmower accident. And, uh, and I could sort of tell... You know, well, we're glad that you're here, but there's been other people that have been here. And I felt a presence behind me at that time, and I really didn't know who it was. But I felt really, I felt really prompted to say, um, I was in a lawnmower accident 40, you know, X amount of years ago. My father accidentally ran over me, and I wanted to come here and see the family. And at that time, it was Brett's father, who was still living, that put his hand on my shoulder and said, I need you to come talk to my son. So we made our way, we made our way down to where Brett was sitting. And uh, he said, son, I need you to listen. I need you to listen, listen to what this man has to say. And uh, he said, tell him, tell him your story. Tell him what you just said. And I said, listen, my name is Sidney. I'm a chaplain in the sheriff's department. I'm a I'm a pastor. I wanted to come and pray with you guys. This was really important because X amount of years ago, I was in a lawnmower accident. I was four. My dad accidentally ran over me. And the father, Brett, said to me as he, as he rose to his feet and looked me in the eye, he asked me a question that day. Nobody else can answer. Except for me. And he said, did you hate your father? 
And I said, you know, I, I've never really thought about that. Which led to the beginning of a relationship with the Boehner family some 11 years ago. You think it'll finish up, Brian, or you think we just stop here? I want to introduce you to Jake and Jody. sit in the middle. Uh, we're going to let Jake, Jake's 15, we're going to give him his privacy. Jake, just stand up and wave really quickly. Really quickly, just wave really quickly. Uh, um, We've got to get all this out of the way, right? I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it for you. Hold on one second. Mm. Um, by the way, Brett drove from the Keys this morning, starting at 4:30 in the morning to get here. Eleven years ago, how did you feel? What was your emotions at that time? Tell me what was going on in your minds and all the chaos and everything that was happening because that day in the, in the emergency or in that, in that hospital room, what were the emotions um, that were happening? Um, Jody, let's start with you. I mean, because you, you got word. Um, so first thing you feel is shock right? Because I'm just like anybody sitting in this room, just a normal family, and I was at work. Um, and then you just feel shattered. <laughs> because, you know, the two people I love the most in the whole world are suffering. And so everything I knew at that moment was, I felt like shattered. And there wasn't anything you could do. Mm -mm. And as a mom and a wife, I just think intuitively, you know, we want to save and, and take care of those that we love. And um, there was nothing that I could do at that time other than just continue to love them both. I, I saw in the video, and there's so much more that little minute that was left. And we, we knew that was going to possibly happen, but that's okay. God's timing's always right. Um, I don't even want to begin to imagine, Brett, some of the things that you emotionally were going through, but I don't, I don't think you were at a, at a really at a happy stage at that point in time, were you? 
you were probably, and I think in some of the conversations, at probably one of the lowest places you've ever been. What was going on in your mind? Indeed, without a question, I was in a very, very dark place, and it happened in a blink of an eye. Once Jake received medical attention, and he actually, once I received word that he was going to survive, because there was a moment in time that I honestly didn't know he was going to survive. That was just step one. Then somehow we need to, to work through the challenges to get him better. And it wasn't about me at the time, it was about our son. And it was a, it was a long journey. Let me, let me ask you both, because when I arrived, I remember that there was a pastor that, that was there. And, um, and, and, and I don't really know a lot about your faith up until that time. I know that on, in our conversations, there was a, there was a relationship with God, but this changed a lot of things. How did this event change? Did you, did you run from God during this event? Did you run to God during this event? What, what happened, Jody? So you'll hear um, both sides from Brett and I because over the years we've talked about this a lot. Um, for me, I ran to him. Um, you know, I was raised in a family where we didn't really go to church maybe on holidays, for anybody that's been in a family like that. And so I didn't... Hold on one second. How many of you were raised in a family like that? <laughs> a lot of people like that. So I didn't really know what a relationship with God meant. Um, I'm not sure what I thought that meant. And um, it's interesting because I told Sydney, um, something was stirring in my heart 12 months before Jake's accident. And um, I won't go into th that story in detail, but I met somebody um, that had worked in my office, and um, he started to speak to me and leave notes on my desk and say, God bless you. I hope you have a good day. And I would think, okay, you know, God bless you too. But it didn't mean what it was supposed to mean to me then. And um, when Jake's accident happened, um, 24 hours into the accident, you know, things get really dark and lonely really quickly because you're in a situation that not a lot of people can understand. And um, before we met Sydney, a pastor um, from a church nearby had heard about our accident and they came to the hospital and they took Brett and I into a, a private room. and. Um, it was the first time that I got on my knees and prayed, and um, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. I really did. And for me, from that moment, I found myself running to that light because I knew that the three of us, we weren't going to do this on our own. And so that was, that was where I was, but I had someone else in a really dark place. So you can imagine the journey of the two of us trying to go together because Brett 
Brett felt a little differently. So you were in a different place. What did you do? I mean, because if you're at the opposite ends and she's running this way, which direction were you running? The other way. <laughs> oh, my word. I can imagine some of the thoughts that were going in your mind. Well, you were angry. I was very angry, very, very mad at God. It, um, I, I didn't understand why. I didn't know why. I had no idea that if there was a God, in fact, at the time, how could he possibly allow this to happen? This was our precious son. He was three years old. And it was a tragic, tragic accident. And I, 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 I could not wrap my mind around it how it could happen and I was very very mad and it really began to put a stress on a lot of different areas what were some of the struggles that begin to rise to the top in the midst some of the dynamics that begin to happen because you've got accident you've got depression you've got I mean you've got a lot of things that are happening all at once in the middle of all of this what were some of those stresses that begin to take place well, I'm going to say something that's probably not unfamiliar to anybody, but um, we still had to pay our bills, and um, I had to go to work, and Brett had to work, and in you know Jake spent 30 days at the hospital, and you know he left with a feeding tube and a Broviac with um, antibiotics, and Brett was in a bad place. You know, he, <laughs> I sort of say this jokingly now, but, you know, I would spend the nights with Jake, who was in a lot of pain. It was just difficult, just a difficult time. And in the morning, after being up all night, Brett would walk down, you know, with a beard and his pajamas, and he hasn't showered in days. And I just would think, how, how, do, you, how do you keep going? So you when went you're in that kind of place. One pain to another pain, just different. Physical pain to emotional pain. Wow. I mean, so you guys went through the financial side of things. You went through the stresses of jobs and doctors and finances. What about your marriage? Under stress? Yes. <laughs> From my point of view, she took good care of me. I, I, I'm truly blessed. Mm. She's a great lady because she had to take care of two boys. When was it, Brett, or has it been that you began because there's physical healing. Have you, have you been able to find some healing from the accident? Have you experienced that as of yet? And if so, how did that happen? When did it happen? Was there a moment in time that something clicked with you? Is it still clicking? Um, does that make sense? 
It, indeed. So that could be a long answer. I know. I know. So the journey has been long. And yes, the healing continues. However, we're out through the dark tunnel and we're on the other side. Let me, let me ask you this question because you said a while ago that you were running. Have you stopped running? Have, have you stopped that running where you were running from God and angry with God? Has, has there been that time where you have made that turn and that now you are back and, and, and you're, you're looking at God and you're saying, God, even in the midst of all this stuff, I don't understand it, but I'm trusting you. Or have, you have you gotten to that place yet? I have. And I'm walking hand in hand with God today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the really unique thing about this is over the last 11 years, this is, you know, going to church, going to church is one thing. Coming to know God through experience is something different. And I bet there's some things that you've learned about God over the past 11 years that, that, um, that you would love to share. Maybe names about God or, or characteristics of God. What are some characteristics of God that you guys have learned um, that you feel like are, are really in, have become very important to you? Characteristics of God. Well, I think the thing that... Um I talk about the most and I say to Brent and Jake all the time is I just feel like the contentment and peace that's in our heart when you feel real peace in your heart it can only that doesn't come from anywhere else and I don't think we can achieve it on our own and so I feel like just God's mercy that allows us to get into a peaceful place I can't turn back the hands of time. And, um, you know, Jake will live his whole life as an amputee. I can't, I can't change that. But what I can do is we can just continue to surrender and ask for his grace and peace, which allows us to have a good marriage, which allows our son to just move on despite the challenge that he's been given in life. Mm. And so I feel like just he's such a God of great love. Mm. And when you know to surrender and accept it, some great things can happen. Yeah. What about you, Brett? Some things or characteristics of God that you've learned over the past 11 years. Obviously, I think that you've learned the word healer. What else? He is faithful. Mm -hmm. You may not believe it. I certainly didn't at the time, but he is. And I have to admit, what you spoke here earlier, I wanted to jump up and down because I wanted to give you an amen. Because everything you said well, this why morning... why didn't you do that? Well, I was thinking about it. I almost thought you were speaking. I, that is our journey. Exactly our journey. We have lived it. And it is, it is righteous. And he... He will not fail. 
and, and he's provided for you guys along the way. And, and there have been numerous amounts of people that, that have encouraged you. I mean, can you imagine the people that God brought to your side and that probably provided words of encouragement or nourishment or whatever it made or maybe to help make a run or to do this or that during that, during that time? Um, but I know that a couple of years ago in, in walking through this, there was a book that you wrote. Um, tell us a little bit about that book. Jody. Um, so I had I had sort of kept a blog, but I don't know if they were called blogs ten years ago. But when Jake's accident happened, I sort of kept an online journal, and 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 really the whole purpose was because um, you can imagine. So Jake's accident happens, we end up in the hospital, and um, things get really tight really quickly because our time was really in the hospital room. And so I started to keep this journal because it was a way for us to tell people what was going on, even our family, without calling everybody every day and cascading these, these updates. And so I started the journal and, and um, just very sweet, uh, just people started following. Or started with our friends and our family and then people we didn't even know that were just encouraging us and cheering us on and praying for us. And, um, the, the part of the story, I'll just say this quickly, is when Jake's accident happened, um, it didn't amputate his leg on the day of the accident. What happened is it, the, the blade sliced through his thigh and amputated his toes. And so um, at the time, the, the, at the hospital, they said we should try to salvage the limb, so um, you're not prepared to make those kind of decisions. And we said, yes, let's save it. Well, that took us on a four-year journey. So Jake had 16 surgeries over the course of four years. He's just a little boy. Um, you know, during those developmental years, Jake was in a wheelchair over summers and hospitals on his birthdays. And um, about three and a half years into it, we just asked ourselves, could, is there, it, actually, we didn't ask us. <laughs> so, you know, we asked the Lord, is there a better option for him? that ultimately led us to the decision of doing an elective amputation when Jake was eight. And um, you can imagine, that's a story for another day, because it took us 12 months to make that decision, that irreversible choice. Um, and so after the, the amputation, I sort of said goodbye to my journals, and you know, what I said was, the Boehners are good, let's pray for somebody else now, thank you for all the love you gave us. Let's, let's focus somewhere else. And um, a lot of friends said, I think there's more to say. And so I started to take those journals and I just decided to put them into a book. So I published it two years later. And really, I wrote the book for two reasons. One, to honor the two men that I love who walked through this journey and courageously looked to the Lord instead of being sad and letting our marriage fall apart and turning back. And so if I did nothing else, I want them to know how proud I was of them. And then number two, because I felt like if my story and my words just speak to one person who's struggling, um, I'm a crazy reader and I read a lot of books during our journey and I would just find words and things that I needed at different times that provided me encouragement. So that was kind of the reason the book came to life. Well, and, and we've been talking about and you heard it earlier, we always can't see the purpose and the pain, um, but the promise is always the same. And yet several years into this, 
there was something else that began to happen because of what God had done in your life. And so back several months ago, I get this call at like the last minute. Sid. Oops. What are you doing? Well, just having a great day, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? I, I need you this weekend. Are you available? Um, well, this is going to be really tough because of this and this and this and this. And, um, but it was really neat because what had happened was God had laid on y'all's hearts to do something because of what you had experienced. And tell us really what, what had happened. Tell us, tell us what you guys did. Um, tell us what took place that weekend. Well, I'll let you tell the story, but one of the things you said last, I think in your, over the last four weeks, you said when he doesn't remove it to mm -hmm. use it. I, I said that one time, yeah. What God doesn't remove, he'll use, yeah. I think that's what happened here. I'll let you tell what we did. So for a long time, we, after we have healed and Jake is doing awesome. Our ministry in life is lawnmower safety, hands down. So what we wanted to do is how do we promote that? And that we want to do, we wanted to create a public service announcement. And it took a long time, but through the power of social media, we and, and through our, our, our doctors and the people that we have met in our journey, Unfortunately, we know many, many people, many families with kids that are amputees from lawnmowers. So we invited 12 families to our home in Orlando in July to film a public service announcement. And they came from as far as New Hampshire, Kentucky, Indiana, Missouri, Michigan. They drove, they flew and they came for two days. And we hired a production company and we filmed the, the public service announcement with the families that we had never met and we built this relationship over social media. And I felt it was important that when they arrived, we had this gentleman to kind of kick off our uh, weekend festivities and uh, be part of the process in prayer and fellowship. And, and one of the things I'll just add, because I think it's exactly what Sydney was talking about earlier, is um, over the years, so, you know, when you write a book, you open yourself up for people to, to seek you out and, and talk, and we knew that we were doing that. Um, the number of lawnmower accident families and other families that have faced different kinds of tragedies that continue to call us. Um, I mean, a week doesn't really go by that we don't talk to somebody that just needs some encouragement. They either call us or email us or find us somehow. And last year, before we decided to film this public service announcement, we just felt like, you know, we continue to talk to all these families after the accident happened. And, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if we could just stop the accidents and then we just meet them for coffee <laughs> or something? Um, so that was our whole idea and the idea that, you know, we received comfort and then we're able to now give comfort, I think is a gift, not just for the person receiving, but it's also a gift 
for the person that gave. While I was there, I had the chance to share, and I don't know if Brett, Jody, I think you were doing something else. I had a, a, a young girl that came to me after speaking, and she said, my, my mama needs to talk to you. My mama really wants to talk to you. My dad won't talk to anybody. And, I, and the young man, I guess, um, had, it was, it was a very recent accident, probably one of the most recent that you had there. And the father had also had um, backed over or run over his son. And in the midst of that, the son had said, Dad, why did you do that? Why did you run over me? Why did you try to hurt me? And the father was just overwhelmed with that grief. And yet he was separating himself. And I remember going and sitting down and having a conversation with him that day. And I just remembered the remembered you. I, I wasn't the father. I was the son. And so I was able to speak to him from a son's perspective. But, but I've often thought about that conversation, and that conversation wouldn't have taken place if you guys wouldn't have reached out and initiated what took place. I've had the privilege of talking to some families that you've ministered to behind the scenes since that time. Um, and you need to know that the comfort that you have provided has been an encouragement to them to begin to reach out to other people there within their areas. And so what Paul said here is very, very appropriate. Because, but it took you guys wrestling through, struggling through that difficulty. But there are some things that you've learned about God and your ex and the experience and the comfort that you've received that now, because of what you've, ex you've received, you have the ability, if you choose, to pass that comfort on to somebody else. And the story that you share is your story. It's not something you've read in a book, but it's your story. What do you say to somebody else that's here today? And there's something in their life that they've dealt with, and they struggle with maybe being open about that issue. Um, what would you say that they're missing out on as far as um, receiving comfort as well as giving comfort? What, what would you say that they're missing out on? Um, because I feel like a part of your healing has been giving comfort. Mm -hmm. It's not just been receiving comfort, but a part of your healing process has been giving comfort to others. So what would you say to somebody that's struggling and dealing with that and not wanting to share their story? What would you say? Um, two things I would say. Um, the first, and, and I wrote about this in my journals, is I, I sort of say, find your people. Um, when Jake's accident happened and we came home and, you know, there's a point in anybody that's gone through a crisis, there's a point where everybody gathers around and then they all sort of go back to their own lives and you find yourself feeling lonely. And um, it's, a, it's a tough time. And so I would say I started searching the Internet because I wanted to find other lawnmower families, other kids that have been in lawnmower accident. And I did. I, I found some folks, and I called them. We found Sydney. And so the one thing I would say is find people. They're out there that are going through things like you. Mm -hmm. Because when you find someone, it's like you know going to the same high school or you lived in the same state. There's this instant um, bond. Mm -hmm. And also, they bring um, a validation that nobody else can provide. So I, you know, 
I feel like that's the first place that that's I would good. Go. Katie, I know, has been through that with what you guys have been through with Paul in dealing with that issue. Brett, here's a great question for you as we finish out. So we've got somebody that's been through a tragedy and they're wanting to run from God and maybe even the day they're running from God. What do you say to them? I would say stop and take one day at a time. It's as simple as that. God will be with you and he will follow you and he will carry you and lean on him. He is there. So many times during the dark days, you, you, you think, or at least I did, what's going to happen next week? What's going to happen next month? That was too much for me. I just had to get through the day. And that's what I did. I just narrowed the, the literally narrowed my thoughts, and you just focus on the day and get through it one day at a time. There's a passage of scripture I wanted to share. We find it in Philippians chapter 1, and this is what, this is what he said. I, and I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it's finally, finally finished on the day when Christ returns. And you know, sometimes that good work may include suffering, and it may include difficulty, and it may include pain. And none of us in this room, I mean, you said earlier when we first started out that that day, it was great, but man, how quick things changed. And we don't know that when some of us today may have something that happens that our lives change in the middle of an instant. And sometimes it changes because we do stupid things, correct? Sometimes we do stupid, sometimes things happen just because they happen. I mean, they just happen. But it doesn't really matter. But God is at work. He's always at work. And there's a song that the guys wanted to sing this morning as we close out. Um, and uh, that song talks on a lot about God's faithfulness. But this is what I want to say today. Um, number one, I, I really appreciate you guys making the sacrifice to come and be here and be part of our time because it's been really neat for us. I think you've accented some things because I don't think we really always understand that in the suffering that God has the ability and wants to do something with that suffering, but we have to hold on in the midst of it. And, and the other thing is that I, I'm glad that you're here because you're able to show what happens, uh, a great reminder of what happens on the other side. But you're still, I think you're still walking through. I think we're all still walking through. I don't think any of us are on the other side. I think we're all still walking. And like you said, taking one day at a time because every one of us at any moment in time can, can, can walk away. And we need each other in this journey of faith. But there's multiple tragedies and multiple issues in life. And it's a lot easier to be inside of a church environment like this. And I'm okay and you're okay and everybody's okay. And we're just going to be okay. Everybody's great. Not really. Not really. But how do we say in the, in the midst of those difficult times, God... How, how do you walk with me through that time? And God, who else will you provide to walk alongside of me during that time? And when you've provided that comfort for me, you provide that comfort for me not only so that I can be comforted, so, but the, so that I have the ability to provide comfort to somebody else who may be going through something that's similar.
So if you're here today, maybe, maybe there's something in the past that's, that you've walked through, and today for the first time it's almost like that aha moment. I never understood, but now I begin to understand. Maybe God's got something in my life that he wants to do with me. Maybe the, the pain, there's a purpose in the pain, and that my pain is not to just to be, not to be quiet, but maybe, maybe I need to be a little bit more vulnerable. Maybe I need to be a little bit more intentional about how I've walked through and how I've made it through this difficulty. Maybe today you just go, I've had that aha moment. Maybe you're here today and, and you're walking through the midst of that pain right now. And it's not something in the past, but it's, it's, you're in the midst of that tragedy and suffering right now. And you don't know which way to go. You don't know which way to turn. And the pain is so intense. And you are so afraid because you're fearful that God has left you, but he's not. And you're afraid to, to cry out and tell really what's going on in your heart and mind. You're afraid of what people might think and what they may say. You're fearful of, of maybe condemnation or judgment. But maybe today you need to just talk to somebody. We want to have some people here that you can come and just talk to. Maybe you want to come and, and just while, while Brett and Jody are standing over here in the corner, maybe you say, I want to just talk to Brett and Jody. Maybe, I, maybe I'd just like to talk to them. Or maybe you're here today and you're in the midst of tragedy and, and you're like Brett, and maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're here today and, and you're, man, you're running from God and you're running, 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 and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. And today, for the first time, you've heard a story where somebody was running, but they said no. Brett said, man, I, I had to turn around. I had to turn around and realize that's my source of peace. That's my source of comfort. That's my source of hope. Nothing else. See, the source of hope in Brett's life isn't whether or not Jake has got his leg back. Not at all. Not at all. The source of hope in your life is Jesus Christ. And that's the foundation of it all. Because we can't see the full picture, but God does. And so while they play this song, I'm going to ask if some of our overseers and some of the others that I've talked to, if, if you would just come stand today, and if you're here, and maybe the Lord has spoken to you, or maybe you want to pray, or maybe you want to pray for somebody, or maybe you're here, and, uh, and you're saying, man, I, I, I want to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus. You have the ability during that, this song that they're going to play to come forward and and to talk to one of these. Overseers, you guys, come on. Come on, Sandy and Tom, Jim. Uh, come on, Jerry. Um, but before they sing, I want to pray for you. Um, but what a great day this, this morning has been. Father, what a good day it is for us to be able to just to, to recognize and, and see a, a story that, that sort of puts together what Paul talked about there in in his writings to the, to the church at Corinth. Father, I'm very thankful that um, for, the, for the journey that Brett and Jody and Jake have been on. It's been a really hard journey. But Father, how their story, and that's how they've walked through it, as they've been wrestling through that story, there have been points and times where people have come into their lives, Father, that have encouraged them. And Father, through the journey, they've seen you face to face. And Lord, they're not really all the way through it, but Lord, they're beginning to see and hear your voice. And there's healing in this acknowledgement. Father, we're very thankful today for just the story of, of Paul, and we're very thankful for the story of the Boehner family. Father, I'm praying now as we sing that, Lord, that you would open up our hearts and that this morning that we've had one of those aha moments. 
allow us to respond as you would have us to respond this morning.